Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Catherine McCord, who is the founder of Titan Management, a premier national talent acquisition and consulting organization, which she created in 2014. In 2020, she launched the international online show and podcast, Career Launch Live, which tackles everything from best job seeker practices and DE&I to employee relations and payday law to help professionals across the globe. And she is also focused even more heavily on promoting inclusion, particularly of the neurodiverse community. She spends a great deal of her time speaking and educating on these topics and on her newest neurodiversity and mental health focused show, Super Mania Show. We have a ton to talk about, Catherine. So let's jump <laughs> right into this. Let's do it. I am let's so excited it. to be here. Thank you for having me, Summer. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm excited to have you here. We always have so much fun. So before we jump into the incredible professional background of yours, can you give us a picture of where you grew up and some of the experiences that you've had that impacted and influenced your passions? Oh, absolutely. So I, I am a born and raised Dallas, Texas girl, now live in South Florida, but I'm always and forever a Texas girl. And I came from a wildly diverse family in every way that you can think of, um, racially diverse, neurodiverse, uh, physically diverse, just everything, every kind of diversity we had it. And, uh, and my family was very involved in, in my youth. And, and I'm always eternally thankful for that. And my parents did what I like to call conscious parenting. They were very conscious about every decision, everything that they did. And one of the things that they both saw fit to do was to include me in their professional lives from a very, very small age. So my father is an accomplished musician and, and uh, teacher at the college level when it comes to music. And he is absolutely incredible and would take me with him to college, basically. So I got to sit there and, and hear classes. Um, when he went to college himself also, while I was, uh, when I was small, he took me with him sometimes. Oh. And not every time, but sometimes. Uh, my mother, who was in recruiting, took me uh, to different events, traveled with me, took me to her job sometimes. And not that I would sit there all day, every day with her, but I was exposed to that. And I was exposed to just all of these incredible professional experiences. And so I was the little girl that played interview and convention with my mother. And I would set up, I would set up conventions in my room and make mm. my mother go around and I'd make her fill out applications. And one time I even fired her, which I like, <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> I did. I fired my mother. Wow. And, <laughs> not as like, my mother. The but... <laughs> question is, why? <laughs> why? I don't remember that part. Uh, honestly, I just think I was just practicing because I knew that she fired people as part of her job. Okay. And I, and so she'd explain to me 
what that was. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to do it too. I wanted to mimic that. Um, and which is funny. She's, she's called the terminator at her oh. job because she, yeah. <laughs> she loves to fire people, not lay off, but fire people. Oh. And I'm the same way. <laughs> I think it's kind of a genetic component. Um, but, I, but that's kind of it. So it kind of started there. I was always taught to embrace new things, try new things. And so I did, I tried all kinds of different things, worked a whole lot of startups, which inspired my work with startups from the inclusion standpoint, I think coming from such a diverse family um, had a big impact. I think that my natural fascination with other humans played a big part of that because I wanted to learn about everybody. And then you start to learn about diversity, right? You start to understand all of that. So, and then seeing all the jacked up things that happen in the professional world, because when you work in hiring, you see so much discrimination, you see Mm. so many wrong things on the employee relations side. And so I think that's kind of what, what threw me into it. Gotcha. Well, I love that whole description and the experiences that you've had that really have driven that journey for you and really sparked an interest for you. So let's talk about neurodiversity and what it is for our listeners who don't know and why this is so close to your heart and your Supermania show. Sure. Yeah. So I, first of all, I love all forms of diversity, but I, I think that my favorite is neuro because it deals with how the mind works. So the short version is, is that neurodiversity encompasses all of the different reasons that your brain may process information differently from the quote, quote, neuro normal persons. Um, About a third of the population is neurodiverse. Mm -hmm. The term was actually coined by a woman named Judy Singer, who was a sociologist in in Australia back Mm -hmm. in the 90s, Mm -hmm. as a way to more positively represent, because she said, these are not disabilities, they're just variances. Mm -hmm. And that's how we need to be looking at them. Um, And so it's kind of this whole movement now to, to help people understand that it's not a handicap. It's not, it's not anything bad. In fact, there is a tremendous amount of, of, um, of data out there to show that it's actually a very positive thing. Um, anywhere from, you know, Harvard Medical School um, to Yale to Drexel University to Psychology Today, uh, putting out, you know, articles talking about the quote, superpowers of the neurodiverse, the, the, um, the incredible benefits that come with autism. In fact, one of the coolest things I learned very recently is that the genes that helped us evolve from the caveman days are actually linked to autism. Mm. So there's actually just like that. That's actually part of the evolutionary process. Um, it's, it's talking about that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of innovation, nonlinear thinking, creativity, mm-hmm. and the importance of letting people be themselves. It's yeah. so very important. And so, um, it's near and dear to me because, uh, well, I am neurodiverse, but actually that's not why people always think that it's because of my personal experience, but it's not. Um, I have some amazing people in my life. And one of the first ones that started inspiring me this with this is my husband who mm. is somewhere on the spectrum. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, and, and then also a, a very dear, fr- a, a very dear little child of my life who is autistic. He's kind of my, my hero mm. because this little boy just, he, it's like, he was just born understanding that the problem was how everyone saw him, not with him. You know, a lot of kids get very insecure. They let other, what other people say to them, hit him, hit them. And he didn't. He just okay. will look at people and go, no, <laughs> like, 
and he'll educate them and he will just tell them what's going on. And that confidence that he had in himself. And I thought, you know what? Not everybody gets to have that. That's so beautiful. And it's, it's so amazing how he does that, but it's not something that everybody has. So maybe those of us that do have it need to be speaking up to help everybody else understand because he does. He'll speak up. If somebody says something, you know, ignorant, he speaks up. And I thought, okay, you know what? (laughs) We need to speak up. And, and so actually it is because of, of that little boy that I started super baiting a show. Oh my goodness. I love that. And the (laughs) evolution of how you started that show and, you know, just educating on neurodiversity and what that looks like what that means, what that, mm-hmm. how that impacts the individual. And I think it impacts all of us differently who deal with neurodiversity. And so oh, yeah. I, I can say that from a clinical background, when we look at neurodiversity, we look at, of course, is this a disorder, right? So we come from that right. spectrum, right? And so yet from a holistic perspective and somebody who's always practiced from that perspective, as we know, it's many variables that contribute to neurodiversity, right. learning, attention, mood, all of that are, you know, internal makeup. So our genes, like there's so much involved here and there's oh, yes. so many ways that we can educate. And like, for instance, I have an audio processing disorder and people will say, well, does that mean that you can't hear? And I say, no, that's not what that means. That means that my disorder is such that when I hear certain things, I can't process them maybe in the same way that somebody else does. And so when I was going through undergrad and I was able to compensate it for so many years, but until it got to a point where there was something that was not clicking with me, I had to go get tested and find out what was happening. And so when I did that, it gave me a better idea of, ah, okay, this is happening. This is why it's happening. Because I just thought, am I completely off my mark here? And something (laughs) happened to me. Like I'm definitely defective. What's right, right, here? exactly. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm studying for this one course for like six hours a day. What's happening? So, you know, so the experiences for each of us is different and it's important to understand what that looks like. And I love that, that young kid educates and educates you and me and everybody, you know, and had the the guts to do it and say, Hey, no, wait, listen, this is what's going on with me. And and that's so cool to me. Like, that's what just, I was like, this little dude, like kids are so cool. They're so fascinating to me. And I think too, they, to your very much to your point, it's, you know, it's scary sometimes, right? This diagnosis yeah. process, but it's important to understand. And I tell people, it's not about labels. People no. are always afraid about labels. Like you need the diagnosis is important so that you can learn to understand yourself so that mm-hmm. you can get information. I said, past that, how you process it, how you identify, how you move forward, that's entirely up to you. And, right. and it will change yeah. at different points, you know, in, in your life. And that's okay. Your treatment plan will probably change, will probably change, you know, but it need you need to always be holistic about it. Look out for your body, your, your mind. Um, and I think that it's, 
it's so very important to to remember too that yes, there are all of these beautiful things that happen with neurodiversity and they're really wonderful and it's not a disability inherently, but it is also difficult. So, (laughs) you know, there, there are days that are really hard with my bipolar one. It, it sucks some days, just outright. It's just bad. Um, and it's hard, but honestly, I wouldn't be where I am without it either. Right. And so I tell people, I, I, I use this analogy a lot, especially with women is I'll say, okay, you know, it's no different. You know, the way to think about it is, is that it's no different than when we start our our female cycle, right? You have to work with it. You might have to get some medication. You might have to get some supply. You probably should get some supplies, um, yeah, but, right. but it's, but it's part of nature. It's just part of who you are. It's part of your life. And from yeah. that, some great things can come, right? right? So it's just part of understanding your, your body and your mind. That's all it is. And I think so many people get stressed and they, they, they see it as this overwhelming self-defining thing, but it's, it's just not just like with a medical diagnosis. And trust me, I know folks, I have the body of like an 80 year old. I swear. I literally, this is a true story. I had Aflac come to me and tell me one time that they were convinced that they had my age wrong because of all the health conditions. (laughs) Wow. Oh my goodness. This is a true story. They legit called me up and go, I'm so sorry, Miss McCord, but there's no way we have your age, right? We just needed to verify your, your year of birth. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. It was hysterical. I thought it was so funny. And then the person was so very embarrassed and I was like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. you've, You've kind of wrapped your mind around this because I think a lot of times we'll say somebody is bipolar and what I like to reframe and say, somebody has bipolar, blah, 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 you know, because it's not, it doesn't define wholly who you are, you know? And so it's just, it's just a piece of, you know, and you're functioning. So it's like, how are you going to work with this? And that's why diagnosis is important because first it's not just a label, but it is giving you an idea of what's going on with you. So you can start putting into place the mechanisms that will help you work more effectively every day. Absolutely. Daily life. Absolutely. And you have to be self-aware, right? You need to learn yourself. You know, when I start to feel this way, what does that mean? When I start to have this happen, what does that mean? And it's important to learn those things. I've used a lot of tools over the years to, um, to track different cycles that I have physically, emotionally, mentally. And, and it really has made a difference. And and I've had people ask me how I went so many years successfully being unmedicated as a bipolar one person, person with bipolar one. And I said, well, it was a lot of work, (laughs) a lot of learning myself, a lot of, um, a lot of learning management techniques and tools. Um, And I am not saying that that anybody should go unmedicated. That is what I chose to do for very specific reasons in my life at that time. And, um, and it worked and it, it's, but I've tell you what, that was an important tool because it also helped me to grow personally in other ways. It helped me to grow professionally because I learned to understand myself in a very deep way and to understand what was happening at different points, um, in my days and my cycles, everything else, and to just really have that understanding. So that's one of the big kind of takeaways I always try to leave people with, with me is 
that, that I speak with, that I interact with is know yourself very honestly, because whether it's in per- personal relationships, professional relationships, that's what's going to ultimately give you the best vantage point and give you the ability to always handle things in the most healthy way possible. And I love that guidance. So it, you know, to me, it's the difference between how are you responding versus reacting. Right. And you're taking a response approach, meaning that you have this awareness, you're learning more about yourself, you're tracking your emotional cycles, you're tracking your your thought cycles, you're tracking your patterns of behavior so that you have a better understanding of how you can respond versus react. And I think that's so important. And that is such a great tool. Coming from, again, the clinical background, my background is I worked with people who were in crisis situations who I assessed day in and day out, who were homicidal, suicidal, gravely disabled, who were di- had diagnoses or didn't know about their diagnoses in regards to the whole realm or scope of mental health. And so what I found too, and this is why this conversation is so great, is that I worked with both kids and adults. And unfortunately, a lot of times parents would say, well, just put them on something or can we get them on something. But here's the thing. It's not, you know, medication isn't horrible, but what the problem is the skill set that this child will have learn to implement in their daily lives to help them better understand what's going on with them and to minimize those explosions. And when you put them back into that environment, that chaotic environment, it just elevates that cycle again. And so my question to you, Catherine, with that said is, did you find that growing up, you had the support system that you needed to help you work through some of the challenges that you may have had. Absolutely. I did. I had, and again, I'm going to go back to, so my parents were really extraordinary parents. I've told them a thousand times to write a book (laughs) about, about how they parented me because it was, it was so intentional. It was so purposeful. And they, they really took time to know me and understand me and let me handle things. You know, I've, I've shared with you before how very independent I was as a child. And (laughs) I kind of get the sense interacting with you that you were just an independent person altogether. (laughs) I was, I just for birth, I just immediately was independent. Um, And so I had, in fact, I'm going to tell a story because I think it will help people to understand uh, the importance of this type of parenting and this type of interaction just with other people in general. So when I was about three, I decided to throw my first tantrum. My mother says, I saw another child do it. And and she goes, she goes, I just knew she goes, I could just see by the look on your face. You're like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. See how this goes. (laughs) So later I had, I had uh, my tantrum just threw a complete fit, you know, And, uh, and my mother sent me to my room, shut me in there, made me just sit by myself and be quiet and calm down. Didn't yell at me, anything like that. Came back a little bit later and I'm just, you know, feeling very sorry for myself. And she said, she opened the door and I looked at her and I said, mommy should know that little girls don't like to be left in their room by themselves. (laughs) And she said that she looked, she looks at me and she says, well, then little girls, shouldn't throw tantrums. They should communicate their feelings. And she said, I looked at her and went, okay. 
<laughs> and then we just had a whole had a whole conversation. I was three. So that's how yeah. she was speaking to a three-year-old. She was guiding me and teaching me. Right. And the importance of that and, and of that mentality is that you have to give people space. So she let me have my space, throw my ridiculous tantrum. One and only one I ever threw, by the way. Um, oh, <laughs> and, that's great. And she, yeah, well, she logicked me out of it. Um, then, yeah. So she gave me the space. Then she heard what I was, you know, you know, heard that I was upset, listened to that, responded to it, gave it, you know, and then, and then she sat down with me even more importantly. So she sat down with me and talked to me about how to process those feelings and how to talk to her and how to communicate with her. And so I did, that's what I started doing going forward. So that very, very important lesson at that very, very small age was so very vital. And so I had parents that were intentional. I had, and my whole family was that way with me actually. Um, And then my father who has uh, always himself, uh, battled, you know, mental wellness and all of that was spectacular and understanding and would just listen to me and hear me and let me experience my journey. But he always let me know that he loved me and he supported me and he was there for me no matter what. And he would offer guidance whenever he could, but ultimately he let me be me. And he didn't try to push me into his way. He didn't try to push my mother um, did not understand what was happening with me when I first started really struggling. But she would let me know that she loved me and she would do all the intellectual things that she could think of to, you know, to help me learn. Right. Mm-hmm. And, to, yeah. and to get the help and, and all of that kind of thing. And so having that support was so important, but the main thing that I learned from them was the importance of letting people be their independent selves. Everybody's going to process it differently. And the importance of being supportive without being uh, without trying to take ownership of somebody else's mm-hmm. situation. Right. Right. Um, and my sister who has gone through psychology and is now working as a counselor with, with children, actually, she's wonderful, fascinating human, very, very different from me. Uh, we're 10 years apart. So she is very much my junior. Right. Um, she was my 10th birthday present. I firmly believe that she was mine. I still do. Oh. <laughs> I'm still very certain <laughs> that, that she belongs to me. She is personally mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and she taught me, and, and I thought that this this is such an incredible, powerful lesson to to get from someone who you had this almost maternal instinct with, right? Mm-hmm. To have this kind of lesson come from her. And she taught me the power of sitting with your pain and just hearing what somebody else is feeling, accepting that even if you don't understand it, even if you are confused by it, but then even more importantly is accepting their reach. So when they do reach out to you for help, accept that reach, however it sounds, it may not look how you want it to look, sound like you want it to sound, but to accept that reach. And that was such, and how to reach out to people more effectively. And that was so Mm -hmm. important. Oh, that's, you know, that is so important. Those are great lessons to learn. And I'm thinking that these are great tips for everyone, because I think when you have a child who's going through these things and you get into a power struggle and you're, you know, Uh not allowing their space, it becomes overwhelming for the child and for those caregivers, right? And sometimes you just need to say, it's okay. 
you can take your space, that space, this is your safe space. And and that's something my mother did as you know, when I was a teenager, she's like, you can walk away and you can go to your safe space, but please leave that door open because that door open is our ability to continue to communicate. Yes. But it's, it's okay to take that space. Oh yeah. I, I, they, they let me listen to heavy metal music, which I know drove my, my parents insane, especially my mother. And (laughs) they let me, they let me, um, they let me feel everything I needed to feel, take time with my emotions, take, uh, you know, process it. When I announced I didn't want to have medication, I guarantee you that my parents had opinions about that, but they supported that journey. They said, okay, we understand. They asked me the logic behind it. I explained it. They said, okay. And so they supported that journey. And that was so important. And, and the same thing, my husband's always been very respectful. And in that way, um, I always try to be with him as well to understand that that person has their own space. So yeah, but leaving the lines of communication open so that you can reach out and say, okay. (laughs) So accept the reach accept it, you know, leave it open for, you know, be, be receptive to reaches and accept the reach mm. when it happens. I love it. I love it because a lot of times it's when are you ready for that reach? But as long as you know that there is that opportunity for that communication, that's what's so important. And I think also what's really important and something that I had to, which you had obviously is that love, that nurturing, that support where your parents said, we're here to support you. We yes. love you for who you are, right? And they they gave you that autonomy. They allowed you that space to be your own person. Yeah. And so I think that's really important because that kind of creates and helps set the foundation for feeling secure. Yes, feeling, it does. You know, not just loved, but secure and knowing that you're yes. safe. Yes. And, that and I, I credit... I credit my family, all of them really, um, for, for creating that, that safe space for me to allow me to become the person that I am and to encourage that person. And even my little sister, who again is 10 years younger than me, uh, she used to do this amazing thing when she was little and I would be going through a very bad depression. I had very horrible depression problems when I was young and she would come just sit with me and she would grab my hand and just put her little hands on either side and just sit there perfectly quiet, which I mean, keep in mind, this child would have been, you know, three and four and five years old at this point, perfectly quiet and just sit there. And she would just occasionally just kind of stroke me or give me a little pat, but she would sit there perfectly still and quiet, maybe lean her little head on me. And that was just her way to instinctively be there for her big sister. Mm -hmm. So even just, if you don't know what to say, because what is a little you know, three, four or five-year-old going to know to say to somebody, but she had the instinct to want to help. So she came and just sat quietly with me. And sometimes that's the most beautiful gift that you can give a person is just to sit there quietly with them and let them feel it and let them know that they're not alone. Yeah. I really appreciate you saying that because a lot of times people think they need to talk. They need to say something because that silence is an uncomfortable space for many people. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And so you can sit there and connect with somebody on that level. That's huge. It's just, it's really compassionate. It's empathic. 
And there's really a, a unique connection made there. It is. It is. It is really, really a remarkable, remarkable thing. And, and I will say when after I had um, my hardest miscarriage that I went through, it was particularly traumatic. And my husband said to me, he said, I, I don't understand. I don't know what to do to help, but I'm here. And he just laid down next to me and sat perfectly quiet, which was fine with him, by the way. Um, he, was, he was perfectly happy in that space, but he just sat there perfectly quiet. Just, and if I said something, he would respond, but he just let me have that process. And that was the most powerful and the most bonding experience. That was, that goes down as one of the most remarkable things that he's contributed to, to our relationship, just that sitting and just being there. And if I had something to say, he listened. And if I didn't, he just sat and that was it. And he picked up the slack for me at a time when I needed it the most. And that was huge. It was so very powerful. That's amazing. That is an amazing skill. And that says a lot about your relationship in that you could just be there for you, but also verbalize. I don't really know what to do. I don't really know what to say, but just know that I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. And sometimes we don't need people to solve the issue. We just need to know that they're there. Right. And that's, that's a hard one for me, by the way, I am a, I am a fix it person. And so that is a hard one, a hard one yeah, to learn for people who are natural fix-its, but it's a very important, powerful, and beautiful lesson to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I have a couple more questions. We're going to run through these because we've quickly, sorry, of, yeah, we no, we've covered a lot of ground here, which is really good because this stuff is so important. It is so important because you are an educator. You are somebody who's talking about neurodiversity and we've talked about that and we've talked about a lot of great stuff here. So my, right. my next question is, can you talk a bit about your really cool anti-bias applicant aka titan ats because i got when i read that i was like that's super cool i want her just to touch on that yeah (laughs) yeah so so um for anybody who does not know an applicant tracking system is sort of like a people customer crm basically so kind of like a a tool that that um that HR folks use to track applicants. That's whatever you've applied to a job that's using the ATS. Did you go into this whole database thing? And uh, they are inherently biased um, just because A, their use of the resume, and there's tons of research out there about how resumes are biased, um, but also because um, everything in there is very much about the, the personal attributes that shouldn't matter, like race, gender, all of that. And so years and years of working and and hiring and also resumes are ineffective can we just talk about like resumes are stupid I know why we started with them but we have way better tools now they're ineffective over 90 percent of people are not comfortable creating them Mm. according to a LinkedIn poll so I decided to fire the resume told you I like to fire people and (laughs) also like to fire things fire I just fire everything really I'm just kind of all about it you're Um, fired you're fired. <laughs> just whatever it is. Um, I fired that bad day I had that I told you about. Yeah. I, I just, um, so, um, so I fired the resume, just no more resumes created, um, an anti-bias neurodiverse friendly, 
uh, candidate profile. I, I wanted it to be neurodiverse friendly because the current ATS systems are typically and application processes are typically not um, anywhere from creating stress and anxiety to being too open ended and therefore difficult for some people to process um, down to just sometimes being confusing. So so I just I structured everything. I brought in specific consultations from all different types of diversities, um, had a lot of feedback sessions because I wanted to make sure that everyone was included. So now we have this unique candidate profile that helps candidates align themselves to the job appropriately, which is great for recruiters and, and HR. And then it's structured a little bit better than a resume, really helps the HR side line it up. And it helps candidates uh, like I said, uh, feel more confident, have a little bit more information. And most importantly, it eliminates any bias creating information. So the hiring team cannot see your name, your email, anything about you until you tell them it's okay. So once they've answered any questions you have and you feel comfortable, they'll invite you to unlock your profile and then you can, and then you continue on in the interview process. And the idea mm-hmm. is to give everybody an e- a truly equal shot and to to create more effective, inclusive hiring practices. See, I knew there was a reason I asked you to cover that. (laughs) And my mind just gets kicked into high gear. Like, oh my God, how would this match with this entity? How would this match? Oh my gosh. So that's just really cool. Anybody out there listening to this, this interview, please, please, please contact Catherine about this cool anti-bias applicant tracking system aka titan ats so all right my next and last question is if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom what would they be you know i i love when when people ask me questions like this but but really after today's discussion i'm going to keep it really simple and i'm just going to say align your life with your missions So your missions are the things that matter most to you. For me, it's innovation, inclusion, and integrity. I also am obsessed with animal rescue, but that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. So everything that I do in my life aligns with those three things. I I push my, my work is about inclusion, integrity, and innovation. My, my personal life is the exact same thing. So align, discover your missions, establish them, give yourself constant affirmations about those and live your life for your missions. Mm. That would be my advice. Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining me on the core women podcast today. Thank you so very much for having me summer. It's been a truly fun and interesting conversation. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You can connect with and follow Catherine McCord on LinkedIn or at www.titanmanagementusa.com, www.titanats.com, and www.careerlaunchlive.com. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women, and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a Core Women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. 
Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.